Happy, happy WNBA free agency to all. After such a slow burn to begin this, one of the WNBA's most exciting times during the calendar year, WNBA free agency is back and now popping at full speed. And here I have the one and only news breaking and free agency expert extraordinaire, Rachel Galligan, here with me to break it all down. The Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast, it starts right now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello, happy Friday, and welcome. You are locked on to women's basketball. I'm Jackie Powell. I'm one of your Friday hosts on the program. I cover the New York Liberty at the next, and I've covered women's basketball nationally at many other places. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Women's Basketball is brought to you by everyone at The Next, a place where we cover women's basketball all the time, and we tell the stories that need to be told each and every day. Subscribe now to support the staff at The Next that works oh so hard to bring you this coverage that matters oh so much. It is $9 a month, $72 for the year. Remember, Locked on Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if if your best bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Okay, dear listener, last time we were together, Jen Hatfield and I broke down how I believed that the Washington Mystics held the keys to WNBA free agency. And two weeks later, oh boy, do the Mystics still hold some keys. But also in the past 48 hours, we've seen WNBA teams make some drastic moves to get better in an attempt to rise in the WNBA pecking order. So I have Rachel Galligan here, and we are going to tackle, hopefully, as much as we can. So in segment one, we're going to simply just talk about what we've learned, you know, in the past 48 hours sort of reacting to signing day and and what we've seen shift in terms of different teams moving up and moving down. In segment two, we're going to get into why this was such a slow burn. I mean, I looked at the date and the John Quill Jones trade was on January 15th. This did not get popping until, I don't know, Rachel, when would you say this got popping? I mean, I think we had a couple of things that came out earlier this week, but really, I mean, the majority of it was Wednesday and I mean, obviously Thursday, February 1, that was when 95% of the information came out, in my opinion. It was very unusual this year. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll get into why we think that was. And then in segment three, we're going to talk about what we still don't know. What are these shoes that have not dropped yet? And what do the two of us think? So, all right, Rachel, I'm going to punt to you first. So what did you learn on day one of signing day? All right. Well, I could go on for probably 30 minutes about this. And so I was trying to prepare for the show and I'm like, let me be concise here. So I don't just talk for 30 minutes. Um, you know, I think my, my first initial thoughts, the Minnesota Lynx and the Atlanta dream improved. They added some pieces to their roster that I think really filled some holes and some needs. We had some shockers with the return of Tina, Tina Charles to Atlanta. Um, I think we're seeing kind of the embraced, or forced. I don't know if you want to call it embraced or it's just necessary rebuild um, through youth that we, you know, are obviously witnessing in LA. It's, it's the new era. It's, and I think it's a new era in Washington as well. Um, a lot of changes there. We know that Natasha Cloud's on the move, Atlanta Deladon pending that trade. We'll see what happens. But so, you know, between those four teams, I think Phoenix is going to try and throw all the chips on the table and try and win and be as competitive as they can right away in the remaining time Tarazi has left. And I think you see Chicago striking out left and right, in my opinion. Um, I had said a couple times on a couple previous shows, I felt like there were going to be two teams that just really struck out and were not able to attract top free agents. Um, and it feels like those two teams right now are Chicago and Los Angeles. Now, obviously, we still have dominoes that need to fall. Biggest one is Nekogumake, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens there. But that's just kind of my initial thoughts. Absolutely. I mean, what's interesting about the Sparks, though, is I have a lot of respect for how they've embraced it. Yeah. Because you sort of see something completely different in Chicago. Like we think back to, I guess it was a year ago, when all of their free agents, that core of Vander Quiggs, Candace, um, you know, I mean, oh, don't remind me, those were the days <laughs> when they all dispersed. Yeah. Um, and then they dispersed all of their assets. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I have a lot of respect for LA in that they're like, okay, but th this is this is what we're gonna do now. They have a clear plan, and we know that Kurt Miller is very good at doing this. He's very good at building things from scratch, and I think he now completely has the keys to the car. Yeah. So I, sure, you know, the Sparks are probably not going to be very good, but I think this is a much this is so overdue in a way yeah. because, you know, piece by piece, the sparks, it was like, okay, they lost Candace Parker. They lost Chelsea gray and, and the NECA stuck around for a bit. I mean, when NECA makes her decision and we will talk about this more in segment three, I really am going to want to know what made her decide, okay, now it's my time to go. She had for so long, <clears throat> she was adamant on staying her whole career in Los Angeles. So that will be a question that we have sure. for her. 
I agree with you on the links in that I feel like the links really embraced who and where they are this year, if that makes sense, in that maybe Cheryl Reeve and Co. took some big swings um, that we we don't know about, but they had a backup plan. They knew, okay, if our big swings aren't going to work, then we know exactly who we're going to get. And And that's something I I feel like is important. Um, Things that are going on behind the scenes when these GMs and front offices are are going through this period of time. Yeah. I mean, everybody, point guards run a premium. Not everybody can get a point guard. Um, You know, Natasha, Natasha Cloud, Skylar Diggins Smith, Jordan Canada. But if you've, put all, all your sole focus on option A and you don't have that option B, C, D to fall back on, you're really striking out and you're left with nothing. And I think Minnesota, I'm sure, went for a lot of those names um, as they should, but they did a really good job of not striking out with the secondary or third options. Um, you know, And again, I'm just assuming that's the case, um, but they got solid pieces and they added parts to their roster that they didn't have last year. And I think they added a little bit of depth. And so I I have to credit Minnesota and the job they did this free agency. I think it was solid. Absolutely. I mean, do I think the Lynx are ready to compete with the Aces and and the Liberty? No. But do I think they will be a better basketball team? Absolutely. And I think that net rating is going to come up because sure, the Lynx got to where they were in the playoffs, but they were not a very good team. If you look at that net rating and if you look at their defense and the rim protection and the shot creation. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing about Atlanta that confuses me, and I don't know how you feel about this. And and once we tackle this, we'll then take our first break, but Ariel powers was a shock for me in Atlanta. Tina Charles, that made sense because they needed more size in the post. They needed a rebounding presence. And also, Tanisha Wright and Tina Charles have a pretty long history. So that didn't surprise me. But Ariel Powers did. Have you sort of reached any sort of rationale for that signing? I got to agree with you on that one. I think it's a breath of fresh air for Powers. I think we we all knew that it was probably time for a move and a change for, you know, Powers and Minnesota to part ways. Um, you know, I'm looking at Atlanta. I mean, Powers, if she can come in and give them a solid 10 to 12 minutes a game, if that's the role she's willing to accept, I don't know if that is, but I think that's the big question mark. Um, I think they got better with Canada being able to have a true point guard and a true facilitator who has experience in this league, who's won a championship. I think that makes them better. Tina Charles, I think, as awesome as it is, it's it's equally as surprising. But I agree, the powers part of that, I think maybe part of it is, again, I haven't seen the exact numbers. Um, I'm sure Richard Cohen put them out. But, you know, the role and the type of role, and I'm sure it had to be appealing to powers to go to Atlanta, which is a team that is trending upward. They're continuing to build. They're trying to just fine tune some things. And I think size and depth is a part of it, but what type of role is she willing to accept there in Atlanta? That's my biggest question mark. I couldn't agree more. And and I've been saying for a while, Atlanta is there on the road to becoming one of those destination franchises. And the reason is Atlanta is a very up and coming and exciting city. 
Atlanta also has investment. They may not have, they may have some issues when it comes to their arena, um, but they do have a place to practice. They have an ownership group that treats the players very well. And they have a general manager who knows the salary cap as well as anyone. So I, I am, I'm not surprised that Atlanta made the moves that they made um, because to win in this league, you need veteran leadership. Mm -hmm. And so before we hop to our first break, I know we wanted to touch on Indiana briefly and in signing Katie Lou Samuelson. So Rachel, why did you think that was so huge for the fever? I felt like going into this free agency, Indiana has been very meticulous in how they are building and taking a step every single year. And we know the talent they have on this team. We know the youth they have on this team combined with obviously um, Mitchell and some veteran pieces, but I did feel like, okay, what is one, someone asked me, what is one thing you feel like Indiana needs in free agency? And I said, they need an affordable veteran who is going to be good for the locker room, who is a true pro and who can come in, be versatile, um, contribute. Um, and I, I was, and I kept racking my brain. I was like, who is it? Who is it? You know, is it someone like a Beck Allen? Is it, that was immediately where my mind went. I didn't know if they could pull it off. Um, but I'm, I'm going around in my mind. And then when I saw, when I heard the news, I was like, that is, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly what a piece that Indiana needs. Um, I'm excited to see Katie Lou back in the league. Um, and I, I just, I just think it's a really good match. It's a good pairing for what probably both parties are looking for at this point. And it just really impressed me because I think she can go in and continue to be that veteran presence and that, you know, kind of older, versatile player that can kind of bring the rest of this team along. And I mean, we know this team is going to continue to get better. At least I feel like they will. So to me, that was one of my favorite moves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indiana was improving on the margins. And I think they, they know who they are. They know that they're not this destination franchise. They know that Indianapolis is not this amazing city, but they know that, they're going to become pretty attractive when it's like, oh, we can play with Aaliyah Boston, potentially Caitlin Clark. Right. right. Um, but couldn't agree more. Okay, coming up, we are going to discuss why free agency felt very different this year. Slow burn and then explosion. But first, I do want to talk to you all about our friends at FanDuel. And so the happy almost Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's <laughs> number one sports book. Just want to say, though, the Super Bowl is next weekend. It's not this weekend. This weekend is the music Super Bowl for music nerds like me. It is the Grammys. But anyway, if you, <laughs> when the Super Bowl does come around, if you are like me, uh, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, maybe some guacamole, maybe some wings, and placing some super bets. So again, as a music nerd, I love the halftime show, some of the ads. And for a long time when I was watching the NFL, I did actually enjoy the game itself. 
FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season and the evening with a W or two or maybe three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and many more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Well, thank you very much, FanDuel. And yes, the Grammys are the music Super Bowl for this weekend. I had to point that out. But anyway, I am here back on Locked on Women's Basketball with the one and only Rachel Galligan. Okay, so Rachel, we have to talk about why exactly free agency this winter was a slow burn. So I'm going to come to you first. What do you think are some of the the main reasons here? Oh, man. Um, I think part of it is the class itself. Um, not saying that it's bad, not saying that it's great. I just so maybe some of it has to do with the amount of players. We did see a lot of players that were extended during the course of the season. Um, and a lot of that has to do with wanting to become a free agent around the time where the new, the new CBA opens up. So, you know, you didn't see a lot of like the Vegas players being free agents. And so I think the extensions, I think, um, who was another one? McBride was another one, I believe. So part of it was maybe some of those players were not a part of the conversation this time of year as were as they usually would. Um, the other part of it, I don't know. I felt maybe it's the fact that, you know, I personally, I, I didn't dig as much as I usually would. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening in January and a lot of things that could have been put out. Um, I didn't have the opportunity professionally to be able to do that. And I'm not saying I'm the only one that does those things. I just, me and what I've been able to bring to the table the last five years, I, I couldn't. Um, I also wonder if maybe part of it is, you know, the league and, and the front offices and how they're choosing to try and handle things. I think we're starting, it felt it was this, this was the first time, this was a really interesting stat. I think it was across the timeline that came out with it. Shout out to um, them over there. But the first time that there was like 28 moves on February 1st that all came out at the same time, whereas before it, you know, it had been more spread out. And I found that really interesting that not only were we not talking about things earlier and ideals were done earlier. There's no question about that. Um, things were, you know, verbally agreed upon much earlier than were reported, but I think some of it, maybe the league felt and teams felt pressure to get things done earlier. It all just kind of came spewing out of every facet <laughs> on the first is what it felt like to me. I mean, it just felt like it was coming out everywhere, left and right, different outlets, different, you know, you were breaking stuff. Christina was breaking stuff. ESPN had stuff. I mean, it was just coming out of everywhere all at once. Personally, I wish, I think it's better for the league to see it come out a lot much slower. Um, I don't know that I have the answer to that. I, I really don't. I would be curious your thoughts on why that was the case. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think it's better for the league when it is spread out yeah. because then 
there's more chatter. There's yeah. more chatter. I mean, for me, it was there's more, there's more room for analysis and pieces to be written, you know, yes. and, and, and podcasts and these types of conversations to happen. And when it comes out, it's just like the bandaid got ripped off and everybody's sitting here today trying to digest what happened, including what us. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think last year was maybe too much of a golden standard, if that makes sense, in that you're not going to have what happened last winter happen every year. Do I think it's the ideal thing for this league? Yes. I mean, the fact that things started on January 15th, there there was a lot of fun and a lot of excitement in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year was a great, that was a very good for agency, in my opinion, just I, from the fan and the engagement perspective. I think a lot of people learned a lot. A lot of people were excited and, it, and the momentum of that carried on for a long, a long stretch of time, in my opinion. Absolutely. And it birthed this sort of, you know, rivalry type thing that you've got going on. And so I think, and this goes back to what you're saying about the class We can't really expect each year to sort of be, we're going to learn something big about the WNBA or something, you know, very monumental is going to start. Yeah. That's not going to happen every year. Although it seems like some teams are trying to make it happen every year. And and that may be something we'll talk about in segment three. But I also think part of it was for the listeners what I was talking to Jen Hatfield about, which was who was holding the keys to this. And that was the mystics. And that's, that's Mike Tebow. And so, you know, with, with Elena Deladon and sort of how, I mean, I've heard rumblings around that. And I believe this was said on the ESPN special as well. Elena Deladon did not want to be cored. She was trying to, I even heard something where she maybe was maybe trying to retire. So then she didn't have to be cored and she wanted much more agency. And, you know, Mike Tebow is one of the most intelligent and strategic general managers in this league. And he has been for a very long time. And so there, there was there was no way that he wasn't going to try to get value for her. For sure. And so I happen to believe that the fact that there is this uncertainty with Elena Deladon, and I, I also found it quite interesting that Bree Jones was cored when she was. I, I sort of thought, oh, well, maybe does Connecticut try to go for Elena Deladon? But because they were, they're quite close. But it, it seems based on what Elena Deladon's preferences are, she doesn't care if she's out West. She seems to want something in particular. But more on that in, in segment three. But I, I felt like um, Mike Tebow's approach to GMing and his approach to holding those keys might have factored in to how slow some of this went. It's a good point as well. He usually keeps things very close to his chest. Um, And so, you know. I also feel like, though, not not on the contrary, 
Um, there was probably a lot of people that went into this free agency thinking, just assuming that NECA was going to go back to LA. So that kind of was a, a wrench that was thrown in. And that's the biggest name outside of Skylar Diggins Smith, in my opinion. Um, yep. Deladon, because because she's not a free agent and she has to it has to be traded. We'll we'll see what happens there. I think we all have a pretty decent idea how that's going to play out, but you never know. Crazy things happen every day. But I do think the NECA piece of that has really um NECA and Skylar Diggins Smith have really taken this thing. You know, they've been the biggest talking points, in my opinion. And right now, the momentum, and they did a great job on ESPN yesterday building that up. You know, really the drama around NECA's decision, the final three, the visits, and the pictures on social media. So I think I think that that move in itself kind of, you know, has given some spice to this. Absolutely. I mean, we'll talk about, about NECA Gumake so much more in in segment three. Um but first, I am going to remind the listeners about our friends at Prize Picks. So, with basketball season here, and I will say it's college basketball and then the NBA um, here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made and receptions. Want to play alongside some of Prize Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can find Community Plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. But anyway, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA. Daily fantasy sports made easy. That's prize picks. And I have to remind you all about Locked On Sports Today, which I probably should have reminded you all about earlier, but Locked On has launched its first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe. Thank you, Locked On Sports, today. And so, yes, we are now back for the final segment where we're going to talk about these shoes that need to drop. So should we just, should we lay out all the shoes and then go right into NECA first? I think that's that's how we'll do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So the big shoes that need to drop are NECA Ogumake. Uh, Elena Deladon, which we believe is, well, it has to happen through a trade. Uh, Bree Jones, will the Connecticut Sun sign her or will they trade her? Dewana Bonner. And last but certainly not least, Rebecca Allen, who, as the listeners may know, does hold a special place in my heart, point of personal privilege here. Um, when I first started covering this league, Beck was one of the the first people I got to cover, and she always made me feel comfortable and, and like I was okay, and that 
if I got anxious or nervous, it was going to be okay. So anyway, um, little, little sidetracking there. Okay. Those are the shoes that need to drop here. So is it fair, Rachel, to say that NECA is sort of going to be the shoe that maybe pinballs the rest of this? Like this is the shoe that's going to set all the other moves into action. For sure. I mean, that's immediately, I think, where your mind goes. But I'm, I am not, I think a close second is Dewana Bonner. Mm. Seriously, I, 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 the more I think about it and the more I'm hearing, I'm really wondering, like, at first I was like, oh, it's just a shoe and she's going to be back at Connecticut. But now I'm like, do we see her in Las Vegas? Do we see her in Phoenix? I don't think those things are off the table, at least right now. Um, and so depending on those two, I think those are the biggest dominoes, probably one depending on the other. Um, we know NECA's top three. It's going to be Chicago, New York, or it's going to be Seattle. In my opinion, it's probably between New York and Seattle. Um, again, that's just my opinion. It doesn't mean anything, everybody. Uh, but Dewana Bonner as well. I mean, how much if Bonner goes back to Phoenix and say Rebecca Allen goes to Phoenix and this trade goes down, how how does the, I can't I don't know enough right now to crunch the numbers and figure out the cap space to be able to make all of that work. I was trying to do it yesterday and I just gave up. Um, so I think I think those two, in my opinion, are are huge. I mean, th those are the conversations that are going on right now as we're speaking. Yeah. I mean, to clarify to the listeners, when it comes to the Elena Deladon trade, she has indicated that Phoenix, I believe it was said on the ESPN special, or before she was cored, she was very interested in the Phoenix Mercury. She was also very interested in the Las Vegas Aces, but the Aces don't really have room for Elena Deladon. That's the thing people need to understand there in terms of assets and what they're going to trade like it that doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make sense you know yeah. it, it who has what washington's going to want and that's phoenix i mean all all signs point to that vegas can't just go bring her on they're going to have to send something to washington and i don't i don't know what that's going to be that's a value to them that that's where i don't i do not see that happening whatsoever i mean mike tebow as we said earlier he's going to want a pretty as he should as he should. Yeah. Could could Mariah Jefferson be flipped also to Washington? Pretty big possibility. I know they love Mariah Jefferson over there. I know that Diana Taurasi was adamant about having another UConn face on roster. So that's a big contract, though. So it would be big for Phoenix to get that off the books and the moves they could potentially make. But we probably, again, without looking at the numbers in front of me, I would assume Washington has the cap space to cover that. But that's a good that's that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that yet. So, okay. So back to Neka Agumake because her and she's playing this up. I mean, we talked about how last free agency was so exciting with Stewie's decision and now we have the Neka decision. And to be quite honest, I think there is a lot I mean, I agree with you. I think it is, there probably, there is a top two in Seattle and New York. And so I want us uh, to break down those options for NECA. So Rachel, first, what is the case for NECA going to Seattle? I think, I don't, I want to fall short of another super team. I really do, because I think that that's 
saying too much, but the possibility of, of teaming up with Jewel Lloyd, teaming up with um, Skylar Diggins Smith has got to be appealing. We have seen a trend in the last few years, all these players wanting to team up together and play together um, and, and see what they can do, see, see how they can win together. And we know that people are attracted to certain franchises. I think Seattle is still very much one of those organizations that still has an allure to them from the facilities, from the fan base. Now, do they have the mega crazy owners that are all sorts of money? No, but I think they're right there in terms of just what's, what's the word I'm trying to say? Just the status as an org. Yeah. Investment, you know, that's kind of a broad term, but like, if I'm a player, like when I hear Seattle, you know, the history of it, you know, they're kind of in a new era. Um, You have a chance to play with Jewel Lloyd, Skylar Diggins Smith, their fan base, you know, the the city itself and the way they embrace the game of women's basketball, the the new, the new arena. I mean, that, that is appealing and that's what players want to be a part of. And so um, I think ultimately it really does. It comes down to, and I don't want to take your spot when you're going to make the argument for New York, but I think it's going to come down to what type of role does she want to have? Um, Because clearly she needs to play a lot in Seattle, you know, that they're, they, they have solid pieces. You got Ezzy, you've got, but, but they're not a finished product by any means if they sign her. Now they're much better than they were last year. And I think they can beat a lot of people, but then we have the case for New York and I'll let you take that away. <laughs> also, Seattle has Mercedes Russell just sort of chilling. Yeah. I don't know. Does something happen there? Happen there? That's a good question. I thought about that too. Which makes me think, well, if the mercury doesn't work out for ADD, I don't know. Does EDD go maybe to the storm and the storm send Mercedes Russell out to Washington? I don't know. But so the case for New York is one that I think is fascinating. And you could potentially have a defensive group of Benajah Laney, Brianna Stewart, Neko Gumake, and John Quill Jones. Four out of the five are all defense. So I was like, oh, okay. I also have heard, and and so the Liberty have all been about sacrifice, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea, and this is what you raised, is how much is NECA willing to sacrifice? But maybe it's not NECA who sacrifices. Is it Benajah Laney? Do the Liberty say to Benajah Laney, okay, we want you to go get sixth player of the year. You are going to, you're just going to go get that award. That is your goal. Mm-hmm. To be the best player coming off the bench, which she could very well be. Um, I can report that um, Benajelani is very interested in bringing Neko Gumake to the New York Liberty. You want to know why? Yeah, let's they want hear. rings, folks. They want rings. That's what it all comes down to. What are you willing to sacrifice, whether it's money, playing time, role, whatever that's going to be, to get the right group of women together who are going to win and go win a championship? And everybody knows Vegas is Vegas, and that's who they are. And who's knocking right at that door and has a chance to really get a shot in the arm potentially? And even if they don't, I still think they've. We all, we all would agree with that, that consistency and running it back. I'm not opposed to that. But if I'm NECA, like, I want to get another ring. I mean, that's, that's what this comes down to. So, and they all do. <laughs> and so while she'd be probably making a playoff run in Seattle, 
I don't think Seattle is ready to win a championship, even with those three stars. I, I don't think they're no. they're ready to get there. W- will they make the playoffs? Sure. But do they compete with Vegas and the Liberty? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. And so does NECA exactly, does she want to win another championship? And also, does she want to be in another media market where she can really make some noise about the WNBA? Um, which was one of Brianna Stewart's reasons for coming. For sure. And I see that is that is something that NECA would love to do, mm-hmm. would love to do. And so I think that was a reason why maybe she stayed in Los Angeles for as long as she did. Yeah. You can't make that kind of noise in Seattle. It's just, you can't. Yep. Brianna Stewart realized that and yep. it was a big part of her move. So anyway, I've made too long of a case for New York. Um, now you're slaying me. I, w- I woke up today thinking Seattle, and now I'm thinking New York again. In 10 minutes, I'll be thinking Chicago. Actually, I doubt that. But, well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> anyway, okay. Thank you all for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. This has been Jackie Powell and Rachel Galligan. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. And we are signing off. Have a great weekend, everyone. Ogumba Wallet. For the win! Yeah!